The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind. Your host, Nora Gedgaudis, is here to take you on a fun-filled and informational journey through the mind and your body with a focus on neurofeedback and healthy nutrition and what it can do for you, your family, and friends. Now, here's your host, Nora Gedgaudis. Well, hi out there, and good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you happen to be. And welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. Well, today we have a bit of a departure from our usual format. Um, let's just say that we're trying something new here. By popular demand, we're going to be opening up the phone lines and asking you guys all to call in with your questions about diet, nutrition, and or neurofeedback in the uh, second half of this hour. So get ready to dial. The call-in number here is 866-472-5792. But first... We have a really special treat today. Uh, we have a unique guest here who is who's a traveler and an adventurer. Uh, he's also a first-rate photographer, no lie. Uh, someone who's done portraits of the likes of Sting and Robert Plant and has also done photojournalism in 48 different countries or so. Um, about a month ago, Clay Enos set out from his home in New York City with a Vespa and an Eat Well guide on a cross-country journey in search of America's locally grown organic and sustainable food in communities across the U.S. Well, Clay traveled about 150 miles a day, and he has a lot to say about the things that he's seen and what we as a country maybe need to do to take back the real food quality or the real quality of our own food supply. On uh, Friday, uh, uh, this last Friday, Clay made it as far as Portland, Oregon, and he and I had a chance to meet face-to-face and sit out in front of an organic coffee shop for a couple of hours and, and uh, get to know each other a little bit. And I think all of you will be as fascinated, delighted, and impressed as I was. I am very privileged to welcome my newfound buddy, Clay Enos, to the show. Welcome, Clay. Well, thank you very much, Nora. That's a lovely introduction. Oh, well, you're, you're most welcome. I'm just very appreciative that you're willing to take the... Uh, the time out from your uh, from your travel schedule to uh, to spend some time with us here talking about what it is you've been doing. And I got to say, I haven't had um, too many people ride all the way from New York City to Portland on a Vespa to meet me. <laughs> uh, but you really set out on this trip, though, with uh, with a unique and, in my mind, kind of important agenda. Well, you know, arriving in Portland was kind of like uh, arriving in Mecca after a Hajj. <laughs> Portland. Portland being such a locavore, um, you know, really an inspiration for my locavore. I like that. Yeah, where where local local food isn't just about uh, you know making it efficient and not having to truck food all over the place, but it's really about the quality of the food, nutritionally dense food, uh, and and those things happen only when you're not moving stuff all over the place and diluting it and denude, you know, just sort of wrecking it. Right. Well, people don't really necessarily consider the consequences of either environmentally or even nutritionally of trucking in your broccoli from <laughs> from Peru in February, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Time and time again, I would hear folks, because it's, it's the farmer's market eggs, let's say, are $4 a dozen. And over at some big box store or supermarket, they're $2 a dozen. And on the face of it, it seems like those cheaper eggs are, are the only way to go for someone who's kind of on a tight budget. But the real hidden costs of those eggs in nutritional quality, in, in all of the shipping and, and environmental costs, aren't reflected in the price. Yep. The, the, the real quality there and the real, the real bargain is a $4 farm egg. Well, and what it may save you in terms of long-term health care costs, for that matter. Yes, I mean, and, and that's that. 
that price story is is repeated over and over again, but it's a sophisticated argument that I'm going to need to flush out. You know, a lot, a lot of it's my pleasure to share what my insights. It's sort of my my calling, if you will, as an artist. I use the adventure as a kind of point of departure for inquiry, but ultimately I'm now challenged to share what I've discovered. Yeah, it's. I, I'm so glad that you're doing this whole thing, and I'm so glad that you emailed me about it. But I'm curious about what brought you to this whole sustainable food thing in the first place. You know, what inspired you to take this idea on the road? Well, I mean, I, I was. I'm on my way to Vancouver to go work on a, a film, and I, instead of flying there, and I knew I had some time. I thought I'd move slowly and go through the country and take a month and a half. And the idea of being on the road for a month and a half immediately sort of filled me with the fear of fast food and, and poor food quality, right, that those would be my only choices. So it only seemed logical that I would have to seek out a local sourced food. It, it has a way of incorporating sustainability, potentially organic. It's more about having a relationship with your food than it is uh, anything else. And so it just became the instant way I was going to go across the country, not wanting to compromise my health and, and what I put in my mouth. And what a, what a cool concept to, uh, to do what, you're, what it is that you're doing. Um, do you have... Um... <laughs> well, that's just, you don't know what it was. It was a cool concept. Yeah. It proved to be incredibly difficult. Uh, At first, yeah. of course, I'm on the eastern seaboard and, and you know, New York City... Baltimore, Washington, D.C., these are, these are um, major metropolises with, metropolises with with restaurants that understand the local sourced idea. But as soon as I got past Virginia, the world changed considerably. I can about imagine. And I was, it became, at first I, I worked my intermittent fasting capabilities to their, <laughs> to their best. But it eventually became kind of a frustration, and I, and I used, you know, I would compromise and eat some sort of corn-fed beef uh, factory food uh, just as a m- way to have a conversation with yeah. somebody. And, and I privileged that over kind of being such a purist. Yeah. It yeah. happens. From time to time, you have to put factory food in your mouth. Well, yeah, it does happen. I mean, it's it's nearly an unavoidable uh, thing. In fact, I, I'm, I'm kind of struck. I, I, of course, as you know, live in a what you call a locavore oasis here in in Portland. You know, here in Oregon, we have nearly year-round farmers markets. We have a tremendous amount of consciousness about these kinds of things. I'm originally from Minnesota too. I don't know if you managed to pass through there on your way, but there's a fair amount of of this sort of consciousness there as well. So I've been um, a little privileged along the way to be surrounded by an environment that that uh, allows me to, um, you know, allows me to sort of indulge these principles. You're uh, absolutely right. It's that consciousness yes. that is what's lacking, and for numerous reasons, right? You you could probably speak more eloquently to the to the mind, the actual what's going on in people's minds, but we've become absolutely oblivious to, to our food, to where it comes from, to how it's being made. And, uh, and in that, we're, we're cheating ourselves of such really lovely potential to have relationships. Well, and, and some uh, of that, I think, is the obliviousness to the connection between what you eat and how you feel and function in the world. It just isn't, that connection is not made because, of course, it's not particularly encouraged, you know, that awareness by the media or by the, by the powers that be, so to speak. And so people just kind of figure, well, you know, uh, it says healthy and natural on the labels, and it must be. And, uh, or maybe they just don't care because they just, they're just sort of interested in, um, in, in not being hungry, and they don't care however they uh, decide to, um, to sort of quench that hunger. But... Um, it's a shame because food inhabits such an intimate place in people's lives. Right. It's a very emotional thing. People really have their favorite foods. You'll hear them speak. The, they love pasta or something like right, that. Right, right. They, they speak and they use the vocabulary that they would also equate with their, you know, with their 
things they really do love. Right, 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 well, right. And yet, and yet they're, they're disconnecting and they're using it instead to sort of quell emotions or, or and not think about it as a, as a much richer, nuanced piece of their lives. And I, I think our culture is such um, that it, it maybe particularly since the, we've, we've sort of developed into a place in history where food has become so unnaturally abundant or what is, what is presented as food um, has become so unnaturally abundant. But so many people are either treating, either treat food as sort of a nutrient devoid source of entertainment or sort of as a means of um, self-medicating in some ways. Yeah, and that and that's a, it's really troubling. And I think that there are forces, economic forces, who are who can play that to their advantage. And you know these these monstrously large companies that control all the corn and and soy being grown. Um, it's really really amazing to see. It's not just sort of abusive to the land, but it's abusive to the people who work for them. It's uh, it's really we're. I use the analogy of a big boulder. Uh, we need to get out of the way of that boulder, or it's going to crush us. It's a, and it's uh, a, what do you? Uh, what is the boulder? The boulder is this kind of huge factory farm economic force that that is. Wrapped in red, white, and blue, uh, you, you don't critique our cultural traditions, um, and yet when you really sort of scratch the surface and you see it's not quite, that's just a facade. These, these folks are, I mean, I'm, we're preaching somewhat to the, or we all know that the dangers of soy. This right. stuff is covered in poison, it is a poison, and it is in, it has made its way into Tremendous amounts of food that is consumed by the average American. Yeah, virtually everything, almost as ubiquitous as corn these days. Right, and so the way, and, and our proteins are bereft of, of, you know, our eggs are pale yellow, our cows are covered in, or fed corn. We need and to, gum we need to, and cement dust and. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to, we need to actively participate in an alternative and local is the solution. We'll talk more probably in a second about that. Yeah, you good, good, good call. Yeah, we, we are coming up on a break here. So if you're willing to stick around, we will be back in just a moment here with Clay Enos talking about his cross country adventure. And, uh, this is Nora Gitgoudis and you're listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. 
Are you looking for a new perspective in today's challenging economic and personal times? Join the journey to your personal best on the Sky's the Limit radio program, featuring your hosts Karen Lovett, Jackie Lonnie, and John McDermott. The engaging discussion will center on concrete ideas and actions to help improve your personal wealth, love, appreciation, power, choice, relationships, and more. Karen, Jackie, and John will guide you to your true power of choice on The Sky's the Limit, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on 7th Wave Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. And we're here today talking with uh, this wonderful guy, Clay Enos. He's He's an incredible photographer, and he's traveling across America from from New York to Vancouver, B.C., on a Vespa GTS 300, um, basically in search of local and sustainable food uh, wherever he has gone across the country. Um, and, uh, Clay, when we were uh, talking last hour, of course, we were talking about you know, the lack of consciousness in, in people about all this whole subject of the importance of the quality of the food uh, in our food supply and... Um, and the importance of, of getting that food locally uh, locally grown. And one of the things you and I also talked about uh, before when you and I when you and I met, uh, we were talking about sort of the elitist stigma that's placed on healthy eating. And it, it's something I think worthy of comment here. I mean, I'm guessing that most of the places where you found quality, organic, and sustainable foods along your journey were not necessarily affluent communities, were they? No, they're not. I mean, there tends to be the attention or the consciousness seems peaked in urban centers or, or places where there's a large academic institution. Yeah. But, but, uh, and, and, but many of the rural countryside, people are feeding themselves. Uh, they, they know ranchers. They're working with their neighbors. But as soon as you enter the restaurant world, it, the, the place that I had to find my food, Right, not where having, strip malls are. Right. I wasn't able to just invite myself into random farmhouses. Uh, then, then all of a sudden, the conversation had to shift. I mean, they just weren't paying attention. And this, even those who live in rural, rural communities where ranchers are their neighbors often find themselves eating out. Yeah. And eating out a very different quality of food. And, and they're not paying attention. So... It is, they're sort of blessed by being in this world of abundance, and yet they're, they're, there's a disconnect as soon as they sit down and somebody serves it to them. Right. Yeah, there's, there's almost, um, yeah, that, yeah, that oblivionness translates to um, a real resistance to talking about the idea of a healthy diet as if it were something that was unaffordable. But there's really nothing remotely, quote, elitist about genuinely healthy eating. Most people don't know, for instance, that fully 90 cents out of every food dollar spent in this country by the average person is actually spent on processed food, on junk. I mean, people could literally save 90% of their food bill if they eliminated the junk that comes in cardboard boxes, canned snack foods, you know, chips, sodas, juice, beer, and maybe conventional milk products could be lumped in there too. You're right. I, I met up with a kid who, who had, was raised on a farm and then, then even spent a little time on, on the kill floor of a Tyson plant. Yeah, yeah. I was and, really struck by that story. There was, this was the Basque man that you encountered, right? Was it in, like, yeah. Idaho? Yeah, it was in Idaho, and he was of Basque descent. A remarkable, a remarkable kid. And now it found himself wishing he could eat organic. And yet there he was drinking a kind of strange alcohol sugar hybrid drink, which I'd never seen before. Mind you, it was the weekend, so we're yeah. not faulting him for, for some indulgence on that end. But, it, but what a strange set of priorities. Right. Don't, don't waste your money on that stuff. Move well, over just... and have the eggs, especially because he really valued 
an organic egg. He he referred to his neighbor's organic eggs as gold. That's yeah, it's impressive. crazy, you know. I mean, you can take what you save on all that fast food and put it toward real nutrient-dense like meat, fish, eggs, or, I mean, the best quality money can buy, organic veggies, and still have money left over. But it's all a matter, I think, of the choices that you make and what it is you prioritize. Yeah. yeah I mean, you've got people living in, in trailer parks that have two pickup trucks and a big screen TV and all kinds of electronic equipment and their digital cameras and... You know, they've got their Netflix, and they've got, you know, they have they have figured out what it is, and then they claim that, well, you know, we can't afford anything but Hamburger Helper. Well, you know, I, yes, you can. You know, if, if you stop buying all the junk food, and you yeah. take that money that you saved on the junk food, and you put it towards something nutrient-dense, you're not going to crave the other stuff you thought you couldn't live without. Well, there's two parts to that, and one is there's there was a time when, you know, Hamburger Helper probably had very different ingredients in it. It was just a sort of simple spice concoction or something. And now the whole world has shifted, and the and the people making that stuff are compromising for fiscal gain. And it's now really probably filled with anti-nutrients and, and other creepy stuff. Uh, there was a time when, well, when cows always ate grass, and now the corn. They're, they're, it, that whole back end has been made invisible and they're, they're unaware. And then when you overlay the fact that they're really moving to food for emotional satisfaction instead of nutrition, you, you'll re- meet resistance when you say something like, what are you doing? That's the, you know, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> they, they, but I love that. So we're, it's a tricky, it's a nuanced argument that, that for me, the solution was simply just go local. Stop. Don't buy that stuff, not because it's potentially bad for you or because it's, it's kind of just packaged garbage, but go for the relationship. Talk to your neighbors. Work, work with your, the local farm. Know who your farmer is and, and create a new emotional space and keep your money locally. Right. Don't, when you spend a dollar or $2 on something in a, in a box, you're, that money isn't coming back to you ever. But when you buy the eggs from the farmer's market or the, your produce from the farmer's market, that money will come back. Right. You gave it to someone who probably lives down the road. Right, to your neighbor. You know, wouldn't you rather have that money go to somebody in your community than some nameless, faceless, faceless you know, in corporate, whatever, that <laughs> exactly. doesn't necessarily care about you or your community or your health or anything else? And then um, if you extend that, once that money is staying in the community... Once you've established a relationship with the people who are feeding you, you have this ability to start, you can relax a little bit and start to really plan and think about the bigger issues in your community, and you're all sharing a kind of common ground. And instead of this cultural thing that we see right now where everybody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong, you're looking for a more more productive dialogue. Right. And that goes way, way, way past food, but into a, into a real quality of life. I think that was, you know, one of the things that I, I uh, covered in my book too. The, this thing that we have lost in modern times is that first-hand knowing of where our food comes from. I know that w- when I'm working with clients and, and, and things, I often will encourage them to, you know, go out and get your meat and your vegetables and your eggs, whatever, from local farms, and go out to these local farms, and um, and. And uh, get to know, had develop a firsthand knowing of where your food comes from. Look into the eyes of the of the animals that may end up on your dinner plate later, or just get a sense. You know, you know, feel the soil and talk to the farmer and find out how your food is grown, and and have some input and um, and some, as you say, relationship with that. Yeah, I mean, I think the the marketers are very clever. They know that that's what used to happen, right? That's why there are all these kind of characters attached to our food. You know, they there's a huge kind of brand sensibility that's attached. But if you actually know the farmer, it's the same thing. There's a story to tell. And for some reason, we value it with certain stuff, right? A fine wine is valued because it comes from a very particular place made by a very particular family. And, and there's no reason that can't extend to our, to our protein, to our produce. Uh, it, and, and, it, and it doesn't have also, to have, again, uh, that sort of elitist stigma attached to it. It's just... You know, it's about, as you say, developing real relationships and and recognizing that that 
you know, that the quality of your food and where it comes from actually matters. Yeah, you, that, that leprechaun that's on your breakfast. Probably, <laughs> we shall remain nameless. <laughs> probably right. That's, that's essentially tapping into the same thing where if you actually, you could actually know, say, Farmer Jane. And, and that would be much more interesting. Or even the chicken. I yeah. mean, that may pe- put people off in a, in a queasy sort of weird way, but that's only because we're so detached. Yeah. From from these things, uh, once you really reengage and realize the leprechauns aren't real, the <laughs> Farmer Jane is. There's there's a connection, and you can actually talk to Farmer Jane and learn and share, and that's that is super super valuable. And man, does it make a good egg! <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, in, in the world that we live in, that has become so impersonal, made so impersonal by the media, by the internet, by things that we found as conveniences or entertainment. Um, you know, we, we live in an overpopulated, on an overpopulated planet uh, surrounded by people we have no connection with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people seem to be going more and more into themselves. And it seems kind of uh, like a, a beautiful idea that something as fundamental as what nourishes us can bring us back to that feeling of connectedness to, the, yeah. you know, to our communities and to the people around us. And you, I'm not. I'm not trying to sort of claim that we all become these little isolated food communities. I think mm-hmm. the the magic of the internet and the magic of all our modern and sophisticated ways just need to be used more appropriately. Instead of using fossil fuels to ship cows from Montana, where they're growing and eating happily, all the way down to Iowa for processing, is a waste of fuel. Mm-hmm. Take that. Take that same fuel, put it in a front-end loader and terrace and irrigate and create these Edens right in your backyard. It's, that's a much more effective and sustainable use. When, you, when, you're, when you've figured out a way to do something, don't keep it to yourself. Get on the Internet and share it with other communities who, could probably, who are a little behind you. And share that information. It's, we're remarkably good at sharing yeah. uh, when we put our minds to it and telling stories. And now as, you know, all of a sudden, you, you, I have a story for my food, and I can tell that story to others. Absolutely, and you know, you you <laughs> you, you talked about when we were sitting in together, talked so much about the whole idea of just grassroots, uh, bringing everything back to grassroots. Mm. Yeah, I mean, grass grass is a solution to, to many of our problems. I mean, yeah. it, we're growing it where we don't need it in Phoenix, and we're and it, we maybe we should put it on our roofs and help. Uh, make adjustments to some of the climate change issues and, and, and feed it to our cows and, uh, it, you know, and, and, and I don't know, it's just, it's, it, it's a lovely, organic, beautiful thing that speaks to me right now. I'm not sure what is going to come of it. Yeah, well, I, I can't wait to find out, actually. I mean, I find the whole idea, Clay, of, of your journey and your experiences absolutely fascinating and actually quite important. Well, you're catching me right here at the tail end, but I hope to process it and, and share it in some form or another going forward. Yeah, so um, it was really a treat for me to meet you face to face and uh, and have you here on the show. I love what you're doing, and I think more people need to hear about it. And why don't you give everybody here uh, your website too? Well, my own website is just clayenos.com. Enos, and, and E-N-O-S. C-L-A-Y-E-N-O-S dot com. And if you add a slash Vespa, you can see a little more of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's very cool. So happy trails, my friend. And send me a picture sometime. I promise. I promise. <laughs> okay. no, also, so be much. Sure you, next thing you come through, uh, be sure you know, to let me know next time you come through Portland. I wouldn't miss it. Thanks awesome. again. You're totally welcome. Good luck with the film up there in Vancouver, too, my other favorite city. All right. Yeah. So for the rest of you listening, get ready to dial in and call with your questions for me on this show at 866-472-5792. When we come back from this break, we're going to be having open lines here at Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, something new, a call-in show. Many of you have been emailing me with questions and letting me know you'd love to call in, so here's your chance. I'm Nora Gadgatis, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. NBC Science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. 
Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. The Interstate Sportsman Talk radio show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice American Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join host Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, hi and welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. Uh, This half hour, folks, we're just kind of winging it and we're going with whatever you, the listener, want to focus on. So do you have any questions for me about my book, Primal Body, Primal Mind? Do you have any questions uh, about diet, nutrition, or neurofeedback? Um, are you still struggling with carb addiction, or are you wondering about what something like neurofeedback can do for you? Um, I, or do you just want to spout off about something? Feel free to call in right now. Uh, the caller, the call uh, toll is toll free, and you can dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. And it looks like we have a caller. Uh, this is somebody named Sandy. She's calling from Minnesota. So, uh, welcome to the show, Sandy. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota myself. I actually, uh, um, I've lived there my entire life, uh, all the way up until about the year 2000 where I moved out to Oregon, but it's still my uh, spiritual home, and it's, um, it's a great place. Well, no wonder I, I like you so much. Yeah, well, naturally. Naturally. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say, I, without sounding really sappy, I'm a really huge fan. Ah. Uh, well, I, I'm definitely touched, uh, definitely touched by that. And, uh, it really, it's, it's, it's meaningful to hear that kind of a thing. It's, um, uh, it sounds very cliche, but, uh. That's why I'm kind of, you know, hesitant to say it, but it, it's like finally someone is making sense in this crazy world we live in. <laughs> and if I may say a amen to your, um, guest, Clay, today, he, he gets it. Yeah, he sure does. And, um, you know, Maybe he and uh, oh, who's that bicyclist who won the the French? You know, what's it? Yeah, we're well, talking about Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Yeah, he needs to connect with him and do something huge or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, but anyway, I really have a question. I don't know if you could answer this, but it's nutrition. You know, nutritionally based. Um, I suffer from Hashimoto's. Okay. Hashimoto's thyroiditis, or, or Hashimoto's, uh, it's, it's underactive uh, thyroid, right? 
Yes, and that means you understand me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and it has been a debate of my existence. I don't eat a lot, and I feel like I'm turning into Mama Cass, you know, all the time. But it, And then I have the carb cravings, and I don't know how to control it. And the other part is, you know, the doctors are not really, know, you know, they don't know how to check for these things. And I explain to them these things, and they really don't, you know. Now, they don't have a whole lot to be able to address autoimmune because uh, what they're basically looking for is whether your labs look pretty or not, what does your TSH look like, and so they're mainly interested in, in supplying you with, with hormones, which isn't necessarily addressing the underlying problem, which is, of course, whenever you're dealing with an autoimmune issue, your primary problem is immune. It's not actually thyroid. If you have a thyroid autoimmune disorder, your problem isn't thyroid. It's autoimmune, and addressing your immune system is first and foremost the thing you need to consider. Now, nutritionally, I mean, about the first thing you need to do or that you need to know, roughly 98% of all Hashimoto's cases are very highly correlated with gluten sensitivity. So if it were me and I had Hashimoto's, I and I were diagnosed with it today, I would lose grains yesterday. I would just simply not be consuming them because what they're going to do is continue to feed that autoimmune response um, and continue to trigger that unhealthy immune reaction going on uh, in your body. So that, first and foremost, I think, nutritionally, is something to get under control. Part of what that also does is it triggers uh, an inflammatory uh, response in your body that... Um, is going to create all kinds of other problems, including uh, stimulating cortisol, which in turn stimulates insulin, which in turn can you know can spike your your blood sugar, create insulin, and cause you to store more body fat. So, um, bringing that whole vicious cycle of immune reactivity under control is kind of a first step, I think, when it comes to that. Um, there's also kind of a high correlation. A uh, very high co- correlation, actually, with any kind of thyroid dysregulation and uh, an iodine deficiency. That's a kind of a more complicated topic. I'm actually hoping to have Janet Lang back on again in the future to talk about because you don't just want to send people out and tell them to start popping iodine supplements. Um, although, even though iodine is so dramatically deficient in the modern day diet, uh, we don't just want to uh, just start popping a single nutrient into our bodies in the hopes of replenishing things because, unfortunately, it's become a bit more uh, complicated than that. But uh, it's iodine in our diet. Yeah, abs- yeah, we do. We do need it, for I, sure. Like meats, I mean, we're talking meat is, has iodine. What else has iodine? No, actually, uh, I wouldn't say that meat is, is terribly necessarily rich in iodine. Of course, it depends on what kind of soils that maybe the cow uh, was grazing in, um, whether the, uh, there were iodine-rich soils or not that maybe got into the grass that got into the cow and ended up in the cow's tissues somehow. Mostly what the most reliable sources of iodine dietarily are, uh, well, other than pure supplements, which sometimes it comes down to, um, actually has to do with, with mainly seafood, uh, seafood sources, uh, and also seaweed uh, sources. Um, those tend to be the most iodine-rich foods we have. And it's a, even though you can get iodine from other kinds of vegetables and things that are grown in iodine-rich soils, it's hard to know just looking at a vegetable what kind of soil it was grown in. Yeah. So, uh, so you go to the more reliable kinds of things. But the unfortunate thing about iodine uh, deficiency. Now, between the year 1971 and 2000, the incidence uh, or the amount of iodine in the American diet actually came down by at least 50%, and there were a lot of different uh, reasons for this, some of them highly suspect. But in that same time period, the, the incidence of moderate to severe iodine deficiency has actually gone up 400%, and along with it has come up also thyroid-related disorders and autoimmune illness. And, um, and so we, we know that there, there certainly has to be a correlation there. And, of course, the richest repository of iodine in the human body is in the thyroid. 
Uh, and in the second highest repository of iodine, particularly in women, is breast tissue, which, um, you know, a deficiency of which there is a major predisposing factor to breast cancers. So this whole iodine issue is something that is incredibly important. And, you know, thyroid uh, problems also tend to predispose a person to other immune-related uh, problems, not just autoimmune thyroid, but thyroid in general can make your immune system much more vulnerable. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. A couple of years ago, I had a breast cancer scare, and I'm sure that it's all connected with what I'm dealing with, what I'm deficient in. So I'm grateful that I'm talking to you and getting, you know, educated on the iodine and stuff because I'm telling you, it is um, it's pretty scary because the percentage of women with breast cancer now is increasing, unfortunately. And Yeah, it's, 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 it's growing almost, you know, it's, Almost exponentially, really, and I mean, it's 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 come up out of out of nowhere into being a major major health concern. Yeah. Um, part of the problem, though, isn't just iodine deficiency. It is because there are other related compounds. There, if you look at a periodic remember periodic table of elements from high school chemistry class, and where you could see how all the elements were sort of arranged on this on this big um, sort of spreadsheet, and these different elements exist in families um, and iodine is actually very closely related to certain other elements um, things like fluoride and things like chloride or chlorine and things like bromide all of these things um, are similar enough to iodine that in the absence of iodine your body will tend to absorb those other compounds because they're similar as a way of trying to make up for the deficit. It's sort of like your body doesn't have what it needs to do what it needs to do. It's desperate. It starts looking around for the next best thing, and it looks over there and says, oh, bromide, bromide, you look kind of like iodine, over here, over here. <laughs> and your body will take on that bromide. And unfortunately, too, um, bromides, for instance, which are now used as anti-caking agents in, in flour, in, in, in uh, enriched flour products, uh, they will actually replace iodine in your body. They will displace it because as you start to consume these too many of these other related compounds, it stops, your body loses the room that it had for iodine. And so it actually makes you much more iodine deficient than you otherwise might even have been. So part of the task of replenishing iodine is, is to take enough that you displace these other compounds but what's also important is that you have to have certain cofactors in order to properly absorb and utilize the iodine, and that's where this gets complicated. You need magnesium, you need selenium, you need B vitamins, you need salt. Uh, you know, in other words, broad spectrum like sea salts, like Celtic sea salt or Himalayan sea salts, that have a full complement of trace elements in them, mm-hmm. in order for your body to actually make good use of iodine. If you take iodine without your body, without your tissues being sufficient with these other nutrients, um, you actually can make matters worse for yourself, believe it or not. So that's why I'm hoping at some point to have a Janet Langbeck on the show so that we can talk about this in a lot more detail in a way that would be uh, really directly uh, helpful to a lot more people. I know. It's so scary. What I really wish is that the educators in the schools and in and pediatricians would change the food group yeah the right emphasis i don't wish we, you know because we may have a new generation coming up and it's true yeah i tell you what sandy would you be able to stick around a couple minutes sure we have to go to a commercial break right now so when we come back we'll pick up with sandy and any other callers out there who are interested in calling into the show uh, this is Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I am Nora Gagoudis, and uh, please stay tuned. We will be back in just a minute. And also, don't forget to call in. It's 866-472-5792. Stick around. We'll be back in just a minute. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgoudis. 
Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended. A jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Felzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. And our little experimental show today uh, where I'm asking you guys all to call in live with your questions and I also want to invite all of you out there to let me know, uh, too, what you think of this call-in format. Please email me at Nora, N-O-R-A, at primalbody-primalmind.com. Um, I'm also interested in hearing from you about topics you'd like to, me to cover on the show um, over the next uh, several weeks. So, um, so I just kind of want to, oh, and I also today, I just want to give a, a quick shout-out to my uh, beautiful and wonderful and brilliant niece, Katie, who today is actually turning 18. And uh, Katie is actually a, a product of, um, well, partly a product anyway, of, uh, of uh, she actually has done a fair amount of neurofeedback, and it's, uh, she's been a straight-A and honor student, and I couldn't be more proud of her, and I just wanted to say happy birthday, Katie. But at any rate, to back up a little, uh, we still have Sandy on the line. And um, and uh, I want to just kind of finish answering uh, some of your questions, Sandy. I think you'd mentioned something about having some problems with uh, carb cravings. Yes, it's huge, um, as is me. Um, and it's a problem because it's like I, I'm, you know, I'm aware I, I shouldn't be doing it, but it, you know, with with the carb cravings, it is the bane of my existence. Yeah, and it's like I crave, you know, everything, you know, all the pastas and pizzas, um, and I don't know how to control that, and it's a vicious cycle I'm on, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is a, it's like having some, you know, probably someone with this, you know, smoking issue or drinking issue. I don't know, but it, it's the same based, you know. Right. Well, it's extremely common, and and you know the only reason a person is going to crave um, carbohydrates is really because you you've conditioned your body to depend upon basically sugar as your primary source of fuel, which isn't necessarily a very natural thing for us to depend on. Um, but where people have sort of conditioned themselves for that. You're basically relying upon kindling to keep you going, to keep you 
fuel to keep you uh, functioning in the world. And when your body becomes dependent on that, it's kind of like having nothing but a pile of twigs and, and wadded up paper to heat your house with, with a wood stove. You know, you're, run, you're having to run over and throw fuel in about every five minutes, you know, a little more extreme with a wood stove, but to keep that, that fire going. And so when you're de- depending on sugar for your primary source of fuel, which, which burns up, you know, which, which, which your body tries very hard to get out of your bloodstream very rapidly because it's so damaging. So your body is constantly trying to find ways to get sugar out of your bloodstream as soon as you, as soon as you put it in there. Eventually your body has, uh, starts to have more and more problems with being able to get the sugar out. Eventually it can't and then you're diabetic. But for a while, your body's working overtime to try to burn that sugar off or get it stored any way it can. And, of course, being overweight is the price your body's paying for not becoming diabetic. Yeah. So, um, so the trick becomes finding a way to train your body to depend on a different kind of fuel instead. And the one other type of fuel that every single organ and tissue in our body, including our brain, with the, with the only exception being our red blood cells, can depend on just beautifully our ketones. In other words, the energy units of fat. So as long as you're eating the carbs, you're, as long as you're eating sugar and starch, your body's going to continue to crave it, which is why I've found that the faster you can eliminate those things from your diet, the faster your body figures out that it has to find a different kind of fuel and the most logical fuel that your body's beautifully designed to utilize, that's what we were originally designed to utilize, is fat. Fat is an aerobic nutrient. It's what's supposed to... And instead of trying to heat your house with, um, with twigs and paper, now you have a nice big log on the fire all day and you're no longer having to be a slave um, to having to try to... Uh, a slave to your cravings, a slave to the need to eat constantly, and you're not suffering the consequences with mood and and with body weight um, that you know you're probably suffering now. Well, Sandy, I want to thank you for calling um, into the show. We do have another caller on the line. I hope that uh, I was able to answer some of your questions. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. You you're rock. So welcome. And we'd like to welcome to the show uh, Betsy from Oregon is calling here uh, with a question. So welcome, Betsy. Hi. Hi. Am I with you? I am. You are. Yeah, I have a question, and it's about neurofeedback. Okay, great. And it's about, it's a, it's about neurofeedback and ADHD, and it's about what is it that neurofeedback training does to or with the brain that has an impact on those Tough cognitive symptoms. Right. Well, I mean, that's a really great question, and, and I and I wish there was an extremely simple answer. But you know, of course, you know, ADD is a little bit of a trash can diagnosis. Um, there are a lot of reasons why a person might not be paying attention well. I mean, if you're depressed, you're not going to pay attention well. If you're anxious, you're not going to pay attention well. If you're not sleeping well, you're not likely to pay attention well. Um, or if you've had a blow to the head or something, or some people just simply have uh, a nervous system that is, um, you know, a, predisposed to just being extremely over-aroused in some other way um, or under-aroused and, and unable to bring that attention to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, it boils down to frontal lobe issues, the, the part of our brain that we call executive functioning that exists at the front of our cortex. That's- the big area of difficulty. <laughs> yeah, more it, than, more it, than, very oftentimes it more is. More than behavior. I mean, people think of ADHD as a behavior problem, which it only sort of stigmatizes. At the end of people. the milepost 29 it is, but milepost 21 is where it's happening in the deep inside somewhere. Yeah, I, I, think, that that's, I think that's a legitimate way of looking at it. Um, that it's, it's, you know, we have to also question, you know, where behaviors come from. Well, you know, they're driven by our, by our chemistry and by the way we function and and um, um, but also by these regulatory mechanisms in the brain that drive things like timing, um, timing and phase relationships and things that that help to direct our cognitive functioning. You know, all of the 
every biochemical reaction in the body and brain, and of course, ADD typically gets treated biochemically, you know, with, with medications and different things. But um, every single biochemical reaction in the body and brain is preceded by something called an electrical depolarization of the cell, and that it's that electrical depolarization that is dependent upon, really intimately upon these timing mechanisms that actually help orchestrate the way the brain functions. And so what neurofeedback can do is go in and help sort of coordinate the orchestra and, and get everything working in a singular direction. And, of course, some of what that's dependent upon is that the brain has the raw materials that it needs, in other words, the nutrients that it needs, in order to function properly. So I don't know if that's, you know, it, it, it's hard to give a definitive answer to that question, but you're right. The frontal lobes definitely have an, uh, a, an important role to play in that. Training frontally and prefrontally on the, on the, on the, on the brain are really, really important um, for addressing ADD types of symptoms and issues. Right, and the way you talk about the, the arousal is somehow rings a bell for me in terms of the, the medication that seems to be helpful for so many people being right. medications, whatever. whatever well, a lot of the medications. Exactly, it always seems to me that when it's working, it's exactly the right thing yes. in terms of, you know, that particular yes. um, capacity, you know, make, giving capacity to the part of the brain that's, you know, not helping out too much. And well, that's true, and a lot of what those medications do is help inhibit the activity of the funnel cortex and bring it under some control. Unfortunately, this does that with, uh, with stimulants. Well, I'm, we have to go, but I, I hope everybody listening will all tune into Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio next week, where I'll be welcoming two wonderful guests. In the first half hour, we're going to be talking with Gray Graham, founder of the Nutritional Therapy Association. We'll be talking about the whole idea of a nutritional education, what to look for and what to look out for. In the second half hour, we're going to be welcoming Ray Tattenbaum, a psychotherapist in New York City who specializes in helping people reach their full potential through the use of neurofeedback. Her focus is going to be discussing the use of neurofeedback specifically for peak performance. So get better at the things in life that you already do well. Neurofeedback is, is currently being used by elite athletes, artists, writers, actors, and even opera singers. You're not going to want to miss this show. So until then, thank you all for listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind. This is Nora Gaudis, and we'll talk to you next week. I would like to thank my sponsors, the EEG Institute, offering the most trusted and respected source of information and training for neurofeedback, truly world leaders in the field. You can reach the EEG Institute at www.eeginfo.com or at 818-456-5965. I would also like to thank the Nutritional Therapy Association, the NTA, for their generous sponsorship. The NTA is the best, most trustworthy and reliable source of foundational nutritional education and nutritional therapist training here in the U.S. and possibly the known universe. I just can't say enough good things about this organization. You can find the Nutritional Therapy Association at www.nutritionaltherapy.com or you can call 1-800-918-9798. That's 1-800-918-9798. Tell Marcy Nora sent you. Thanks, too, to Biotics Northwest, the source for exceptional healthcare practitioner quality supplements for every health professional. You can reach them at www.bioticsnorthwest.com or at 1-800-636-6913. Also, be sure to visit my website at wwwprimalbody primalmind.com, where you can also get my book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, Empower Your Health, Your Total Health, The Way Evolution Intended and Didn't. Thanks again for listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, hosted by Nora Gedgaudis. Come back for another great program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 